Hello and welcome to the first Who Said It podcast. I am Farina and the quote today that we're going to be going over is stop complaining, sound systems are shit when you play in the red. Now the person I've got coming on to talk to me about this today is Joe Sofo who is a tech geek. He basically runs concert audio visual he is the director of the company which for him he says is basically the guy who just pays all the bills and he does give a lot of credit to his staff he says they all contribute to the business's success and to be quite honest we need more bosses that think like joe team effort all the way joe has been working with sound and tech hire full-time since 2005 He's been DJing for 28 years. The guy is old. Yes, sorry, Joe, had to say it. But with age comes experience, which is why he's here today. He had his first gig when he was 13 at his own birthday party. And then basically he started playing every week just for about everyone who attended his birthday, which is cool. And when he said this to me, he was like, I don't know if that legit makes me a DJ from back then. Personally, I think from the moment you start practicing beat matching or DJing, You are a DJ and no one can tell you shit about it. Now, what he loves most about his job is the new tech. He's well into all the new stuff that comes out, the lights and anything audio and visual related, he kind of really geeks over. He loves the versatility of the business. He can basically be in an office one day, climbing through the ceiling of a nightclub another day and then on stage at a festival at the weekend. What a life. All the while he does that, He still gets to enjoy DJing. He's played in a lot of clubs and festivals internationally and here in Melbourne. Some very soul-satisfying memories he has are between 2009 and 2014 when the business started to really take off. He basically then bought his second Nexo PA sound system that could cover sound for events with up to 9,000 people and he started doing some very large scale events then to that size crowd as well. His brothers ran the first of the large scale events at Riva which is one of Melbourne's most iconic venues for boutique outdoor festivals and that's because of their vision to host quality sound, lighting and decor for all of their events. I met Joe at his event Disco Box when he was playing a very old Barbara Tucker record and we bonded over that. I was like, hang on a minute, this is an old track. It's so old. I've got this on vinyl. Yes, it was one of those moments. And he was kind enough to actually let me use his sound system that he had rigged up for his event because my event was the next day in the same venue. And it was cool because his sound, actually, the the sound system, the equipment was pristine. Perfect. Worked like a dream. Even the cue button worked. Wow. Anyway, his team were also extremely professional and had a lot of banter, which is very important for an East London girl like myself. Anyway, very keen to chat to Joe on this topic. Let's get into it, shall we? All right, Joe, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for Good coming on. Here. Yes, sweet. So I'm just going to go in with the quote, which is why you're here today to talk about it. Stop complaining. Sound systems are shit when you play in the red. Now, now before I go into it, just off the bat, by hearing that, what does it make you think? It's a. uh, It's it's not commonly said enough to enough people. I I think that uh, there's some really (laughs) good sound systems out there, and uh, and a lot of people uh, that aren't treating them really nicely, and uh, the the end result. Um, you know, is is a, uh, a, a an audio signal that's probably not very nice for the ears, and mm. uh, a lot of complaints down the line from everybody, especially the people that bought the sound system, right? With, yes, yes, mm. yes. So basically, I said this quote to myself in my head when I was having a rant that way I always do about things, and it was basically the fact that you know you've probably heard this as well, just being out and about when people don't know your job or whatever, or even if they do, they might try and think that they can like technically match you and what you know and what they're saying but people will be like oh yeah this sound system shit or that sound system shit and then you know there was a specific dj that said that to me and i looked over when he was having a mix and i was like he's really in the red yeah and i thought for some yep for someone who seems to know a bit about sound systems and has an ear to know if a sound system is shit or good because to be honest a lot of people think a good sound system is one that goes loud 
but we know yep. there's actually more to it. So when he, this person's going, oh, yeah, this is a shit sound system, and then I hear them in, in, even in another venue playing in the red, I'm just like, okay, cool. Well, you obviously – I don't know if you know enough about sound, but it kind of got me thinking because actually – a lot of people say different things about what redlining is and I just thought I'd get you on to clarify some of my own stuff that's going on in my own head and just for everyone else really. So what is redlining? Redlining is an interesting one because it, it can be broken down in a couple of ways and uh, some of which or one of which is what people see, which is, is what's on the mixer itself. So if we're, if we're talking a DJ mixer or a band mixer for that matter, um, you know, the, the first way that, that people would see redlining uh, is from the individual channel itself. So the gain itself yeah and and, uh, and this is a this is a really hard one because a lot of people don't understand the difference between gain and gain structure um, versus what's coming out of the master they don't even they actually can't even comprehend the fact that uh, what's coming into the channel is actually music coming in or sound coming in um, and what's going out of the master is sound going out to the amplifiers or the speakers themselves. Uh, and it's, it amazes me how many DJs that I talk to that actually don't understand, they just consider volume as volume, uh, right. you know, whether whether it's the, the, the game, the trim, the channel, the master, they just consider it all as the one thing. Um, redlining, you know, if we go down to the crux of it, music coming in, let's say from a CDJ or a turntable coming into that channel, um, if that that is the gain itself or the or the input volume. Um, you know, if that music coming in or that audio source coming in is in the red, it doesn't actually matter how low your output is uh, from the master. Your master could be well out of the red. That is still considered redlining um, and is still producing a distorted signal. Mm. So some people will actually have, you know, full red on the channel, but then the master's way down and they're saying, oh, well, it's fine because I'm nowhere near the red on the on the master. And mm. I was like, well, you're kind of still achieving a very, very similar result. Um, the flip side of that is then you've got your output redlining. So then you've got what's coming out of the master. So if your input is fine, it's in the green or in the orange, and then your output is is double red and maxed out, you know, you've got a distorted signal that you're then putting out to the amplifier. Mm. Uh, now, there's a third one that a lot of people don't see as well uh, in terms of redlining, and that is actually uh, what you're doing to the amplifier itself. So if, if the system, and this is probably not something a DJ can control, but if the system is not set up properly, Redlining an amplifier is just as bad as redlining a mixer. So if you go into an amp rack or look at the back of a speaker and that is bright red or flushing bright red or clipping uh, red, that is also considered, you know, I guess redlining to some extent as well. So there's really those three areas of music coming in from the, the individual channel gain, music going out from the master, and then also your, your music or signal going into the amplifier itself. Mm. So from a front-facing point of view, without the amp and without looking at the back of the speakers, if you're a DJ and you step up, I mean, in my experience, I don't know the technicalities as much as you do, which is why I'm really happy that you're on because it's so fascinating everything you've even just said, you know. Ultimately, anywhere in the world with anything, if you see a red light, it generally means danger or stop. Without a doubt. Right. And you'll usually get warnings on the way there yeah. from no green to orange becoming a little bit worse and then sometimes a different shade of orange before you get to red. Mm. Uh, you know, there's plenty of warnings on the way to red, but, yeah, definitely a red light. Uh, and and on, a, on a speaker or an amplifier, generally an orange light is what, what can um, be considered red as well. Mm, okay. So on that note then, what is the consequence? Of, so what is the consequence of going into redlining? for a sound system is distortion distortion heavy distortion depending on how far into the red you are um and distortion then has dire consequences for the sound system uh, not to mention people's ears as well mm, mm, there's that too so at my last event for example in fact at a lot of events i kind of my ear i've dj for almost 20 years and i don't think i'm an 
I'm a guru or an expert on sound but I do know that my ear can pick up something I just don't know how to label it so I've been in clubs and I've gone ah that sounds a little bit screechy or it hurts my ears or they're just I'm losing clarity of everything and and a lot of DJs think that because it's like that I need to turn it louder and so Mm. I hear that and I go up to the booth and I'm like right what I thought it is is what it is that's too loud that's why I'm hearing it like that it happened at my last event and I turned it down just a touch so it wasn't on the red and it actually made a difference but I think sometimes for DJs maybe because they're in the booth you're hearing that but you're not hearing what's outside because the booth the booth level is different to what the people on the dance floor are hearing without a doubt and to save you running out into the dance floor you've got the lights that give you a signal so you know where you're at yep yeah. Mm. So and that can be distortion from the mix. So that what you're hearing there is is a level of distortion. You know that mm. that sort of can come in a number of ways. It can come in a in a crackle. It can come in a bit of a high pitch kind of squeal or a mid range mm. uh, range crackle. That type of thing can even if it's coming from just one aspect of the system as well. Mm. Uh, subs are usually of a of a sound system. Subs are usually the first thing to i guess run out of volume or run out of juice before the rest of the system as in that that will suffer yeah that's right a lot of the time what you'll actually find is that you'll have distortion in the sub so only in your low frequency Mm. um have clarity in your upper frequency and people say well you know it sounds fine because the mid highs or the speakers around the room sound fine but then you actually have a listen to the subs and there's some you know really crunchy nastiness coming out of it though I guess that might give that tinny sound as well when people describe it as being really top heavy. Again, yeah, it's just not yeah. a balanced sound, is it? Not nice for yeah. your ear. And that comes down to either the venue, the venue's restrictions, or, or whoever set up the sound system as well in that if they have set up a system, which is very common, by the way, where the subs don't keep up with mid-highs, mm-hmm. um, with the speed around the room you know it's very very common that you hear that type of thing that the subs run out of juice run out of volume at you know 60 percent of the overall volume of the system the mid highs keep going and then from that point up you have a very unbalanced tinny sound yeah so when you speak about the damaging the sound system what where is the damage actually found and what what is the damage that happens when you're constantly pushing in the red is it Look, the, the cones on the speaker yeah, or is it? Yeah, in a couple of ways. It can it can happen in a couple of ways. The The most common way is that it damages the speaker. The way a, a speaker works uh, without going into the science of it all, but generally speaking, it's a, uh, it's a, a, an amount of power that's put through a copper coil that is inside the speaker. Mm. That copper coil um, moves in and out of a magnet and as it moves in and out of a magnet, it creates sound waves to produce sound. Right? That's, that's the, yeah, <laughs> Blowing that, my that's mind. <laughs> that's, that, that's as kind of uh, sort of uh, simplistic as what I can make it. So the more power you put through that copper coil, the more movement it has. Uh, like anything, uh, you know, it will heat up. Uh, it will heat up with because of the power and because of the movement. So when you are overdriving a system – you're you're producing too much power going into that copper coil. That copper coil will burn out, um, and so that's the most common common thing. And eventually, what will happen is the copper coil, which is a a single stranded coil, will break, and the speaker will just turn off. It loses its continuity. The speaker will turn off. You've AKA got a blown speaker. Blown speaker. That's right. But a blown speaker can happen before that what we classify as a blown speaker is really a half blown speaker so when that coil heats up it actually expands slightly and then when it expands it rubs on the magnet as it moves in and out and creates that really crunchy nasty distorted Mm. sound that a lot of people hear in club so that's also classified as a blown speaker but technically speaking it's half blown because it's not it's still working and i guess that's where it's where it's half blown you might get venues or people that leave that speaker there because it kind of still works it's just gone a bit shit sometimes for years yeah yeah right what i've seen in in venues i've seen speakers that have been blown for you know what what would look like two three 
three, four years. And even when you tell management or, or the owners or whatever it is that it is blowing, they'll be like, oh, yeah, we'll leave it there. It's still kind of working. Yeah, because financially they don't want to go there with it, with having to get a new sure. one. And I've had that myself. The main issue I think I've had that in, maybe you're helping me get clarity on this, is when I go to a booth and the speakers are really worn out and you can't get yeah. a clean mix because actually yeah. there's no clarity there. So That's you go right. louder, but it's making it worse. And then when you tell the venue your booth speaker's not good, they just assume yeah. I'm a shit DJ and actually no, my ear's just a little bit more fine-tuned and actually if the speaker's not good, it's going to affect the quality of the DJ's experience. Without a doubt. Yeah, and it happened, it happened recently somewhere. That, word, mm. that terminology, worn out, that is, that is exactly what I'm talking about there with the coil itself heating up too many times, being overdriven too many times and it's rubbing on that magnet as it goes in and out and it's just producing a really nasty distorted sound. That's mm. the worn out sound that you're talking about. Yeah. Like when you say yeah. when you say that the, the movement, right, for the coil to the to the speaker, like to the where yeah. the sound goes out for us to hear, if there's mm-hmm. if there's if it's louder, that communication, that movement has to be quicker. And so if you think about it, is it something like if you get a speaker, it has a lifespan of this much movement. And if you put it louder, obviously it speeds up. So you basically you're aging the speaker. Correct. That's exactly right. Right. And that, and they have a, um, is a term that's called uh, over excursion and the, and the excursion is basically the movement of the speaker in and out Mm. without getting technical. Um, Every speaker has a, a defined, amount that it can move in and out you know whether it be one centimeter or a centimeter and a half that's the total amount of movement it can have if you overdrive that speaker if you redline it you push that speaker too hard you know and you're trying to get two centimeters of movement out of it that's just going to create distortion again and just blow the speaker yeah yeah got ya so why do you think people push into the red is it because the sound system is not good or is it because they just like loud? I don't, what do you think it is? You've been doing this I, so long. I think there's, a, again, there's a couple of answers to that um, and sometimes a combination of, of any of them. I think that probably the, the biggest reason for or the biggest um, most common one is that unfortunately with, with so many venues nowadays, they cost a lot of money to, to get up and running, you know, and between decor and bars and alcohol and everything else, um, it's a lot of money. You know, you, you really feel for club owners nowadays having to start a new venue because just to get it up and running, it's, it's a whole lot of money that they outlay. Mm. And sound systems, unfortunately, are the last thing that they spend money on mm. and budgets blow out because a chandelier costs too much or the walls cost, you know, a little bit more to put up or that piece of artwork that's going in the corner that has an Instagram hashtag on it, um, you know, costs X amount of thousands of dollars more. That thousand dollars has got to come off somewhere. And generally speaking, they take it off the sound system. I know this because I, I quote venues right from the conception stage um, and originally they'll have, you know, a, a $200,000 budget and then when something else blows out, it becomes 150 grand and then it becomes 120 grand and all of a sudden they're like, Quite okay, we've got... a significant difference, yeah. Yeah, you know, we've got half the amount of money, give me something that's going to work and you kind of go, well, it's not going to do the same job as a 200 plus thousand dollar system. Mm. Um, so... But we'll do our best. <laughs> That's that's the first that's the first and most common way is that systems that a lot of people put in are just not enough for the venue. Mm. Um, the the second thing is as well is that I think a lot of time um, people people get what's called progressive deafness, mm. uh, and so when you walk into a venue and and DJs even I'm a culprit of this you know the sound system sounds loud enough it's instantly uh, you know uh, okay for your ears but as you're in that volume and the louder the louder the volume the, the quicker this happens as you're in that volume your ears get used to that um, in the sense they almost become a little bit deaf to that and so you turn it up a little bit more and try and drive the system a little harder again yeah i can relate so to that as well a lot because you um people start talking near you near the booth and you need to put it up and I've done it a lot of times where I'm in the booth and to not be distracted I do get the booth a little bit louder um, yep. I'm turning yep. up the booth but I, I, I do my best not to go into the reds although I'm going to share a story with you in a second um I've done that yeah I've put, turned the volume up and it's made uh and I do when I get off sometimes I've had such a loud booth that I'm almost losing my balance in the booth 
And if yeah. I look at the yeah. screen, like the screen starts to blur and I'm like, Jesus, this is yeah. so loud. My, I'm going, my ears are giving me vertigo. That's a really good sound system. Where do do we uh, do we say where that is? Is can we? Can well, the we first time the first time it happened to me was at Public Life in London, which was an old public toilet, and they did have a yeah. mashed up, proper mashed up speaker. You know, everything was concrete and and tiles, and so the sound yeah. was just bubbling yeah. all over the place. But um, there was the first time it happened to me because the sound wasn't great, and we had to pump it. And I remember looking at the first time it happened, I nearly fell over in the booth yeah. and I was like Jesus what is I thought I was sick like I thought something was going wrong and then it happened recently when I was really overwhelmed in another booth which has a notoriously bad booth system and they won't change it mm. um it happened there as well and it made me it, it actually almost made me black out it was really scary actually um and I can't believe that sound does that but it does but what I'm going to tell you is since I posted this one up on um, Instagram this quote that we're talking about today I've been questioning a lot about redlining. So the last few gigs I've done, someone I know yesterday went, you did the redlining thing because I'm really fussy about it. And I am, I, a lot of venues that I've worked with like working with me because I won't go in the reds. I've worked at yeah. venues before and the, de- the the managers come up to me and gone, you know, when you step on, can you take it out the reds? Because I've asked this DJ a few times and the manager mm-hmm. will take it down. And as soon as they turn around, the DJ will turn it back up. And yeah. they, they can trust me to bring it down because they know that I respect that it shouldn't be in the red even though i've never fully understood it i just respect that red means no um but recently i've pushed it a little bit and i've gone in there and i've gone right okay let me go on the red and let me go out and hear what it sounds like and i can't really hear much difference Mm. so i've just experimented with it recently but from this conversation i'm just never going to do it again yeah you know what i mean i'm just look i i i will say one thing and and Especially pioneer mixes that are the you know the the uh, industry standard now, the the level of distortion as you go into the red, uh, it, it changes as you go further into the red. So you know we talk about going to the red as a really bad thing, and it definitely is without a doubt because the technical term for distortion or the or the technical meaning of distortion is uh, a deviation or a reduction in quality mm. from what the sound is. Okay, mm. but. If when we go into the red, how much reduction of quality are we getting? You know, if we're getting a five, ten percent reduction in quality, realistically, our ears aren't going to be able to hear that. Right. And so sometimes, and I'm going to use this hesitantly because I don't want to encourage people going into the red, but sometimes sound systems are set up to achieve their optimum volume in the first red if but that, that makes sense. so that would mean that the the color goes from green orange red it bounces on the red but it doesn't stay on the red correct because exactly i always right. thought redlining was when you're in the red and there's no bounce yeah, someone else and, and realistically redlining for a bad redlining for a pioneer mixer is when you're in double red and there's no movement so the mixer is just full red yeah that's and- abuse <laughs> That's, that's yeah, abuse. And that's the kind of abuse that will damage speakers. Yeah. Um, if you're just touching on the red every now and then, especially during a mix when the, when the two songs combine, uh, realistically speaking, there will be a reduction in quality. Uh, there'll, there'll be a little bit of distortion, but you're probably not going to hear it. And if you're 99, if the sound system is good enough, you're 99% not going to damage anything either. Mm. So this particular venue you're talking about, you may be able to go into the first red without doing any real damage and without anybody hearing the difference between it. Yeah. Um, and that may be what it takes to get the most out of the sound system. Yeah, I mean, I didn't go in the red where it stayed. It was bouncing. I call it the Jamaican flag when you can see all the colours, like the gold. Yeah. I call it, you know, yellow but uh, gold. I haven't that. <laughs> I call it the Jamaican. We don't want to see. If you want to see the Jamaican flag, you just want to see it touching, you know. You don't want the full colours all the time. Um, and I didn't... I didn't do that. I, I don't think I could physically bring myself to do that. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. From what we've discussed, um, what would be the like the advice to the new DJs who, you know, because DJs at home, they start practicing beat matching. If we're lucky these days, they do that. Otherwise, they're just watching yeah. numbers. But they'll do that and they'll focus on mixing tracks together. But mm-hmm. I think it's really important for a DJ to also understand this stuff that we're talking about because being a great DJ isn't just, for me, the beat matching, the track selection you're following on Instagram. It's also the fact that venues are going to appreciate having you in because you're respectful. 100%. You know, um, what would be the advice we would give then to the DJs? Um, Look, and if, of, if they're struggling and it's not loud enough, for example, what would be the best advice for them? Yeah. I think I think the first thing is is taking the time 
to understand what it is that they're using and understand sound to some extent. I'm not saying go and do a course and become a sound technician, mm. but everybody everybody will go in and get, um, you know, they'll buy a set pair of speakers to practice their DJing at some point, whether they become a mobile DJ first and they've got a, a pair of plastic boxes on stands, whether they're DJing in their bedroom and they've just got a little set of studio monitors. Mm. Um, all of them work in much the same way right through to club level uh, where, you know, they need to understand the, the difference between input gain, um, output gain, you know, what's going to the speakers as well, the red, what the red lights mean on the back of the speakers that they're using uh, or the amplifier if that may be the, the case. Mm. So just, just understanding, you know, the similarities between all the speakers going up through the ranges. So if you're going to go and play at a, at a mobile party and they're going to have a pair of subs on the floor and a pair of speakers on top, understand what you're looking at when you're looking at the back of the speakers mm. and the second thing is is that when you are practicing at home practice the right technique practice mixing so that your mixer or controller um, is not in the red you know mm. whether it be the mixer, whether it be uh, the, the the input channel gain the trim on the top of the channel as well um, and that can be adjusted I see what I see a lot of people a very common mistake is they'll have the speaker turned down thinking this is how I'm not going to blow my speaker. So on the back of the speaker, there's a volume knob for a powered speaker. Mm. They'll turn that halfway, right? And I'll say, well, there's no way I can blow my speaker now. It's actually wrong. If your mixer is full red, you're then pushing distortion. The power through because of the coil, because yeah. the coil's still moving at that quicker speed. Yeah. Well, not so much the coil, but it's actually it's it's a distorted signal before you actually get to the speaker. Right. So the speaker be red, but you're putting a completely distorted signal into the box before it's even um, reaching that speaker. Mm, so got you. Red in the mixer is bad. Red on the back of the speaker is bad, making sure that we can get, keep out of both. So realistically, the, the fix for that is turn that speaker. You could even turn it all the way up. Providing mm. there's light on the back of that speaker, it doesn't matter where the volume is, you turn that speaker all the way up or to three quarters. And manage it and then, from the mixer, which is where the mixer is what manages the sound anyway, even in a studio when you're doing production and it, it's all in the that, mixer. Yeah, the levels and everything. So as a rule of thumb then, if you're DJing in a club, stay out the red. It's that simple. Without, it's balancing balancing all three aspects of of that volume. It's balancing your, your input gain on the channel. It's balancing your output on the master. Mm. And it's balancing the volume of the speakers themselves uh, that are being used in, you know, a mobile party. So if, if the DJ or we think that the venue could cope with a bit more sound because there's more people in there or whatever it is, if we take it out of the red, because often I'll step onto the booth and there'll be a DJ in the red, I will always bring it down. And then, of course, it brings the overall volume down. But what I find myself doing is finding a manager or the owner yeah. of the bar if they're about and going, I've put it where it's safe. Would you be able to turn it up on the main? And they'll do it there. Yeah. So Definitely. I don't know if a lot of new DJs know that because they don't know how it works that the they're not controlling the main sound really there's an amplifier doing that which is generally Correct. hidden somewhere else so i reckon that would be the second point of call right if you go out of the reds and it's still not pumping get the support not from the back that. end yeah to bring it up yeah and realistically managers need to know um, that that's what they need to do you know at certain times of the night you know they need to be able to give full volume to the djs so that they can actually bring their mixer down yeah wait red um and just when, have a bit of leeway for those tracks that are a bit lower or a bit louder you know so we can manage it that's right. well mm -hmm. that's managed through the channel game yeah. you know through yeah. the room at the, every channel you know you want to want to keep them the same it's funny you're talking about um foldbacks before and and we, we mentioned we touched on that progressive deafness yeah. uh get more deaf the longer they're playing uh, a technique that i use in any venue is in between mixes or in between songs I will actually turn my fold back down or all the way off. Right? Yeah. All the, all, yeah. Wait, so wait, actually, let me let me interrupt for a second, Joe. Don't tell me we're twins on this. You put both the headphones on and turn that volume down as well to give your ears a breather. Hundred percent, definitely. <laughs> yes. It, and you know what? It just slows. There's no way to stop it, but it slows that progressive deafness. Mm. And and from the uh, and I, and I know that you and I. Uh, use a very uh, the same set of headphones, which are uh, not not sold anymore. Mm. Um, the old Technics headphones, which are really really good cancelling noise cancelling headphones, mm. um, and 
there's a lot of headphones that aren't like that. So getting themselves a good set of headphones that will cancel out that sound, turning all the volume off and bringing all that volume right down will slow that progressive deafness. And then just you're really then just turning it up for the, you know, 30 to 60 seconds of your mix. Yeah. That's the only time that you need that volume turned up again. Yeah. That is something that has literally saved my ears many times. And since I learned about that many years ago, because someone, I told them my ears were getting tired and they said, do it. And I couldn't believe a minute, which you can afford to do, right? Especially if you're mixing on digital, because it's so easy to queue it up. It's, yeah. it's yeah. It, one minute of no booth and headphones fully on with no volume. It, I couldn't believe yeah. the respite I got. Yeah. I mean? It was really, really good. Um, and then imagine that over the course of the whole night, if you're playing, you know, two, three, four hours, or if you're, you're lucky enough to do multiple clubs in a night where you're playing six, seven hours, mm. it's a big rest for your ears. Yeah, it can be when it's all accumulated, when you add it all up, right? And the thing sure. is, the music's still loud, but I guess those, um, the tight the tight pads around your ears just protects the waves from hitting you so much, I guess. Yep. Um, so I've got a couple of more questions for you. How do we actually tell if a sound system is good uh, how do we tell a good sound system from a not so good sound system like what are the things that actually determine that mm, that's a hard one because the the term good as well is uh is, is a bit of a um a broad term you know if we're if we're talking about sonically good uh you know when you look at sound on a computer and and you see what is sonically the perfect sound um that's one version of good. If you're talking about what is good for that space, I think you mentioned before you were, you know, you were playing in an old toilet or something, a yeah. concrete yeah. sort of room. Uh, and, and this, I hear this a lot where they'll, where they'll say, oh, the sound system's rubbish. Um, you know, it sounds horrible in here. It's a really crappy sound system. And I'll turn around and I'll look at the sound system and I'll be like, actually, this sound system is worth, you know, $100,000 plus thousand dollars and, you're, and you're playing in a, a you know, gutted toilet. Um, it's a really good sound system, but it's just potentially a really bad space. Mm, got you. But, but understanding that the, the, the room that you're in, uh, the furnishings that are there with soft surfaces, you, know, if you're, you, you all know if you go into a warehouse and you turn a speaker on, it sounds horrible. It sounds tinny and echoey. And, oh, proper echoey, yeah. Yeah, so regardless of how good the sound system is, it's still not going to sound as good as if you're in mm. a studio all completely soft With furniture. Carpet, yeah. yeah, the walls are all soft, you know, they've got egg cartons everywhere and curtains and soft couches and it gives you a really nice, warm, mm. beautiful sound. Well that's so I thing. guess yeah. yeah. Go on, no, go on. I've been to warehouses and they're like, it's a function one sound system. And you're probably rolling your eyes. I roll my eyes a bit when I see that. But I go in yeah. and I'm like, yeah, function one, but you've only got two up the front. What about yeah. the rebounding at the back? You need to sandwich me in. I want to be immersed in sound. And this is the thing. Sometimes there's no going going around the venue itself. You know, there's no getting around the harshness or the the horrible acoustics mm. of, a, of a you're in. Um, I think the best way, realistically, to know if you're dealing with a good sound system is is there enough overall volume for the space. Mm. Um, and then realistically, you have to get to know your brands. You have to get to know what brands are the better brands, you know, which models within those brands. I know it's easy for me to say because I, I sell and install this kind of stuff every day, but a lot of the brands that are in the upper range of, um, you know, of sonic quality of terms of how good the sound system is, people have never even heard of. Because they're either too expensive or they've, they've never been in any clubs, have never seen him in any clubs in Australia. Mm. Uh, so yeah, I guess I guess understanding the brands is a big one, and then understanding you know what is required for for that particular space. Mm. I went to a um, there's a shop on Chapel Street. I can't remember the name. I got some speaker wire there because I got some vintage seventies Technic speakers right from my front room, which I love the stereo sound, and they yeah. sound they sound alright being so old, little cute things. But um, I went to the I went to the the shop on Chapel. I can't remember what it was called now. They sell the clap stuff. And basically, they had a sound system in there, sat on this sofa, and he went, let me play you this. And I was like, all right. you know. And he heard it, and I, he was playing it, and he said, what do you think? And I went, bloody hell, it's that, I mean, I'm in a big shop, but it sounds good. He went, that is a 350 grand system. Right, home system, mind you, home system. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, I don't, I don't know if that's actually good or if my brain just thinks it's good because you just told me the cost of it. <laughs> I was like, I feel really um, intimidated. I don't know enough about sound to comment, but I'm just going to say it sounds good because you said it sounds good. 
<laughs> yeah. But it look, did, to be fair, it did. For your lounge room, if it's not a good sound system you, and you're paying that kind of money, I would I would certainly hope that you're getting something for what you pay for. Yeah, you've got money to waste, one of the two. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it did, it did sound awesome, but what do you think is the best club sound system you've heard and why? Ooh, that's a hard question. I've heard a lot of good ones, yeah. a lot of good and again, you go between club, you know, what size club, how big is the venue, you know, is a club sound system and a, and a, and a concert sound system. If you're in a, an indoor concert, is that the same classified as a club? I, I think for me, there's two, there's two brands that stand out kind of at the top of the tree for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nexo, which is a really well-known brand, um, it is definitely up there with some of the loudest sound systems uh, that I've that I've heard, and and very when you get loud and you're still that clear, it's a, a representation of a really good brand and a really good speaker. Yeah, um, I think Nexo in terms of subs, Nexo makes some of my favourite subs, and, and believe it or not, they're actually in no venue in Melbourne because they're just so expensive. Yeah, uh, the Nexo subs that are in in the majority of venues around Melbourne are kind of the middle of the line version. Mm-hmm. So you know, but I've I've been at, at concerts where, in fact, we did um, uh, High Sense Arena inside of High Sense Arena. Mm. This particular Nexo sub is called an STM sub, and it is easily the most impressive sub I think I've ever heard. Yeah, uh, it's the type of sub actually that if you're standing front of stage, they make you physically sick because they move so much of your insides. Yeah, wow. I've, I've <laughs> experienced yeah. subs like that and you just think, well, this is a bit of a spiritual experience. What's going on? Because then it's not just about volume, it's about that air movement that is causing you physical change, you know, and yeah. that, that for me, subs are, 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 are what add to the atmosphere of a, of a night in any, in any room. Mm. Uh, in saying that, KV2, which is a brand that not a lot of people uh, have heard of, it's a Czech Czech Republic brand. Their their philosophy is absolute sound quality um, or, or brilliance of sound without uh, the consideration of anything else. So when when Nexo or or DMB or any of those other brands make a sound system, they have considerations of how heavy it's going to be, how big is the box going to be for for space for trucking. Usability, yeah. That's right, usability. KV2 scrap all of that. They completely rely on that. Say, okay, doesn't matter how big, how heavy, how ugly the box is. What is it going to take to get absolute mm. sound, brilliant sound quality out of these speakers? And so, for me, in terms of the most high definition pro audio systems, KV2 would would take the cake in terms of um, in terms of that. Mm. Next, though, in terms of volume, KV2 in terms of sound quality. So it's Amazing. probably a, a I imagine that would be a bit limiting then because you wouldn't be able to transport it or hire it out if it was really heavy, but it would be more a permanent system somewhere. Without a doubt. I've mm. got a, a AV2 speaker that's about – one speaker is about 370 kilos. Jesus almighty, that's like the weight of a bloody fat Harley Davidson. Yeah, Jesus. so you can imagine how limited the events are. I mean, they, this is stuff that's designed to do Sydney Meyer Music Bowl. Yeah, 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 got you, uh, fat. That's yeah, designed, yeah. designed to hang, roll in on wheel, roll in from a truck, roll in on wheels, uh, get lifted up by a motor, hang from the ceiling, you know, and produce audio for, for 15,000 mm. people. So what um, do, can you um can you use like a really good sub from one brand and then all the tops from another brand or is that really like taboo? A little bit taboo if you're talking to the people that sell it to you. Yeah. Uh, from a from an audio perspective, yeah, you can definitely do it. I mean, we we do it with a lot of brands. Um, you know, especially especially when we go back to talking about what we were saying before, when it comes down to cost, mm. sub subs are where you actually chew up a lot of your your costs for a sound system. They're the most expensive things. Yeah. Um, subs and amplifiers. So we'll we'll get some venues who you know, they want to go with a really high quality brand in their speakers, but then they run out of money. It's like, oh, well, you know, for now we'll put in a lower quality sub or a lower brand sub that costs them half the price. Mm-hmm. Technically, they're not suited, it's not matched, but with a little bit of creative tuning, you can get them to be very close. Yeah. And if you um, think if the if the distortion and the damage from redlining comes predominantly to the sub first, 
is it yeah. logical for a venue then to get a cheaper sub that they might need to be repairing more often or is it better to get a more expensive one that would be able to cope with redlining or is not the quality of the sub is not about the redlining coping with redlining the redlining is going to mash up a sub whatever it's whatever yeah, and however much it costs i think that the real difference there is you know a uh, a twenty thousand dollar nexo sub um will redline and distort at double the volume of a $2,000 Chinese ripoff. Right, so uh, it kind of is more value for money to go for the expensive sub if it's yeah. good quality because it will you'll have more um, value in the long run because yeah. it, can, look, it can withstand the... The, 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 the ego DJs. Or the, I, w- I won't even say ego DJs after this conversation. I think a lot of people just don't know. I mean, in 20 years of DJing, I've not had this conversation with anyone. I've had... When someone set up sound, I've gone... What should I do? I've had someone say you can bounce in the red or no, if the main you can only have one bouncing in the red, the the master mm-hmm. or the gain. And I've never actually gone into this much depth and I, I almost feel sorry for myself after this long not done it. But now at least I have and hopefully it helps everyone else who's listening to, you know, protect our sound systems around the city. Yeah, and like you said before, if we're if we're teaching good habits right from the word go, I know a lot of bedroom DJs who are mixing in the red on their you know, two hundred dollar Pioneer controller with their laptop in their bedroom, and that 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 bad habit starts mm. from them. They're yeah. a thirteen year aspiring DJ, and they're already mixing everything in the red. Um, you know, learning learning that aspect of the craft, not just the the beat mixing and the and the song selection and reading a crowd, but actually, you know, what you're doing to sound mm. when you're producing. I guess so. if you're used to going in the reds too, it's kind of difficult to unlearn that because you always feel like you're less than. So like you yeah. say, it's, it's all in the education from the get-go. So if people know, then at least they'll have that respect from the get-go. Um, 100%. Which is, I think, when I was really young, someone just said to me, don't go in the red. Just to, whatever you do, don't go in the red. And I've just done that until recently, you know, because of this. I wanted to push it a little bit for the experience to be able to talk to you about it. Um, mm. And I'm just going to ask you this last question. And this is really about um, my own experience. Like I've gone and bought myself, I've had some really nice, I, I think they're really nice speakers, monitor speakers at home that I've mixed with, that I've made music with. And then when it comes to mixing recently, just mixing in the lounge room, I've decided to go back to stereo speakers because I started mixing on stereo speakers and I find them a little bit more forgiving when it comes to beat matching. I just find it easier on my ear. I don't really know why. I don't know the technicalities with it, but you know, even when buying headphones for DJing or making music, even though there's some specifics that you should be looking for, people have always said to me, and I always say this to DJs when they go, what are the best DJ headphones? I mean, I'm going to say mine are the best and you've just approved that, so yay. But (laughs) actually, I say to people, whatever works for your ear, whatever sounds good to you and what you're comfortable with is going to be the best. Because if you say to someone, these are the best, but people just aren't into it, I think that can affect their DJ experience. But um, the question I've got for you is, on that note, is sound a personal preference or is there actually some that is superior to the rest? I mean, from our conversation, I'm going to say that there is some superior to the rest. I will take both. Both of those answers are correct. Mm. So, where again, if you go back to... Um, pure sonic quality, right, and and un, undistorted sonic quality. So when a when a song is made, it is made, um, you know, on a computer or how recorded onto a computer in a certain wavelength. When the speaker reproduces that song, if it reproduces it exactly the same as the way it is mastered, mm. then is producing the, the perfect sonic quality. Okay, mm. but, and you get the best out uh, of the track too. Correct. Yeah. So, so certain brands like KV2 who have a higher sonic quality, when you, our ears would never be able to pick something like that up. Mm. Um, but we're looking at it, at it on, on a computer and you've, you've probably gone to concerts and you've probably seen the, the sound desks and they've got a whole heap of these computers with all these graphs and, and um, you know, interesting waves, uh, sound waves going on on the mm. computer. That's done for a reason because they're actually, they've got microphones out in the crowd, microphones in front of the speakers, and they're measuring sonic quality. Got you. So I thought they were talking to aliens, to be fair, letting them in, be included in the rave, but <laughs> hey-ho, they're actually doing something. A lot of, them are, a lot of sound guys are aliens themselves. So got to I be, right? <laughs> recommend that, that they, they would agree with you there, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> but see, the thing is, sonic quality isn't always what people prefer to hear. You know, when, right. when you talk to somebody about what sounds good to them, um, you know, a perfect sonic quality is not always what is wanted. Mm. And it's, it's 
big one that, that um, I was having a discussion with this a couple of weeks ago with a young kid who we were talking about speakers. He came into the shop and we we're talking about different kinds of speakers and he mentioned a brand, which I'll, I won't mention, um, and he was saying how amazing they sounded. And then he heard a more expensive brand and he really didn't like the sound of it. And so what's happened is with, with this young kid, he's actually heard distortion for so long out of a cheap speaker that he Accustomed now can to it. He considers that to be good quality. Mm. So his ear, it's now not loud enough unless it's distorting. You know what I mean? So unless he's hearing unless he's hearing that distortion coming from a speaker, that poor sound quality when you're looking at it on a computer or on a graph or, or you know, through a uh, something that measures sound quality, he doesn't care about that because what sounds good to him is actually the opposite. Mm, what he's become um, conditioned to. And it's funny because when I was doing a gig recently, I remember someone said to me, I said, oh, that sounds like it's a bit distorted. And again, I went and had, I do this every, like literally, literally Joe, like I'm the OCD person that's always, you'll always see me near the booth because I'm always sussing what they're doing. I'm always firstly yeah. trying to learn what the DJ's up to, trying to learn new skills for mixing, transitioning tracks. But I'm also checking, is my ear, have I clocked it that this is distorting? And I go and check for that red always it is in the red very rarely it isn't and I said to someone it's distorting and then someone went yeah but I kind of like it sounds a little bit hurt <laughs> and I was like Jesus you sound like you've been like growing up on those reggae sound systems or something yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> where that just a sounds bit, really it's good a very interesting concept isn't it, it you know they mm. kind of like the fact that it's crunchy and it hurts a little bit yeah. when they do it because to them that that experience is oh it's got to be loud you know yeah and there must be some right. nostalgia with that too like without them realizing it feels comfort to them because that's what they're used to yeah, yeah. Mm. We, we, so we measure, uh, and I don't know how many, um, how much you look at, at decibels or how many, how many people understand decibels. So when sound I wish is, more clubs had it, to be fair. Yeah, it would be mm. really good to have a, a, a measure on the screen that yeah. shows you, um, you know, the, the sound level. So for everybody that doesn't know, when you're measuring how loud something is, you're measuring it in decibels. Mm. And, and, you know, if, if you're being recorded at uh, or being, if you're playing at, let's say, for example, 100 decibels, 100 dB um, on the dance floor, when you sometimes you will hear a sound system that at 95 dB will be distorting and a bit crunchy and that harsh sound that that person you were talking to was, was talking about, you know, and that it will sound loud to them. Mm. Then you play a crystal clear speaker at 100 decibels, 5 decibels more, and I say, well, it actually doesn't sound as loud mm. because it's hitting me as much. But when you look at it on a screen, it's actually physically 5 decibels louder. Le- mm. oh, and 5 decibels is a huge amount, so I'm, mm. I'm exaggerating here. But it, even 2 or 3 decibels more in a pure, clear, undistorted sound won't actually sound as loud as a distorted system. Mm. That's interesting. So you that. could get a really, really high-quality system that's producing, and, and I know this because I've played on some that are producing 105, 108 dB on the dance floor, and that is, that's almost to the point of being painful. 110 dB yeah. is painful. You'll listen to it and you'll be like, oh, my God, this is immersive. It's full. It's, it's really good, but it doesn't sound crazy loud. Mm. Then I'll hear another sound system that's very poor quality and, and you know, cheap Chinese rubbish, and it'll be so loud so distorted so painful on the ears that i'm actually squinting when i mm. when i'm looking at um and that's only kind of 95 or 98 db yeah i mean this just brings me on to another point which um probably be my last but sometimes i go into uh, i have to dj yeah so i go into a club maybe a little bit earlier to feel the vibe or just t- to see my mates or whatever and um happened the other day too i was like i can't stand here because this is tiring my ears out i was standing to the yeah. side of the speaker and i was getting some mad bassy pushback and i was like i can feel this is tiring my ears so that when i go into the booth i'm going to be wrecked yeah. normally i bring my earplugs so i can stay on the dance floor and appreciate that and have a dance before i get on but mm. um a lot of the time i i can't I have to actually almost be very far away to not damage or hurt, tire my ears out before I get in the booth. Um, And I think this is really interesting for DJs to consider as well. So if they, for those that like to crank the booth, you know what I mean? And and they get that slow progressive deafness that you were saying. Um, Mm. Is that helping my ear by, by if I stand further away or is the damage still there if I'm really far away? Nah, definitely you're helping your ears yeah. there. So if you're, if you're further away from the speaker, you're reducing that decibel level that's reaching, reaching mm. your ears. And the, ear, 
the earplugs I've got are just those kind of like the rubbery ones that that look like a a cone and they've got three little bits on them supposedly that help the frequency be a bit kinder yeah. to my ear um yeah now how how good are they do you think for kind any of... plug any plugs that you put in your ear are a step in the right direction regardless okay. of how good even yeah. even if you, if you can't handle it you forget your your um earplugs at home and you go and get toilet paper from the toilet and shove that many in your ears times yeah i've done that many times <laughs> That's still helpful yeah, great. Really, really the big difference, you know, for people that want to know, the DJs that want to know the difference between good and bad earplugs, when you stick a, some toilet paper in your ear, generally what it does, it will cut out almost all the high frequency um, and, and, and leaves you a very um, flat kind of unclear sound. The reason that you get molded high quality earplugs that cost you two three hundred dollars is so that the sound is actually the same coming out of the speaker, but it's just at a reduced level. Yeah, so it is just that, brings the volume uh, down to your ear, so it's not as damaging. It's not hitting you such right. a hard punch. It's just a poke. Yeah, there's still just much high frequency. There's still just as much balance between the low and the top end of the song, but it's just done at a lower level. That's what distinguishes a really good set of earplugs. Yeah, that, mine mine do that. They just it just sounds not as loud. It sounds a bit clearer. Sounds good. Yeah, I quite like it. You still hear the song properly. They, you can mix. You, know, you can see headphones, but it's just done. You know, five decibels lower than yeah. what's coming. Yeah, amazing. I've absolutely loved this chat. I've learned loads and I hope you lot listening have learned loads as well. Hopefully, collectively, we can start to protect the sound systems around town. And um, thanks for all your, your advice and sharing your knowledge, Joe. It's been a pleasure. Let me finish on one on one thing on the end of this. Yeah. Is that made, you may mention before of you, um, you know, having to stand further away from speakers and, and getting that progressive oh, yeah. depth yeah. in the crowd kind of thing this is actually if there's any um venue owners listening or venue managers listening to this is that this is a really really big reason that people leave venues earlier is because eventually they don't know why they don't can't understand it they, they couldn't put a finger on it but people leave because they're tired and it's generally not physically tired their ears mentally- are overwhelmed Exactly right. They're mentally tired from their, from having bl- been blasted with unclear, distorted, low or poor quality sound for hours on end. That's happened and, to me 100%. 100%. And so many times people were saying to me, I just can't understand why venues are closing at 1 o'clock or closing at 2 o'clock and other venues are, are making it through till 5 a.m. And I'm not saying it's the only reason, but it's a really big contribution to people staying around and having a good time is having a high-quality sound system. So give your DJs what they're all asking for. If the DJs are going to turn around and, and keep it out of the red and do all the right things, you know, give them a good sound system to actually put behind that yeah. um, so they too can uh, and get the most out of the night. Yep, love that. It's well worth investment then for retention for business. Yeah, 100%. Thank you. Amazing. Love it. Great. <laughs> Have a great night and thanks for coming on, Joe. Really appreciate thanks it. Thanks a lot. See you guys. Ciao. Bye. That is the first episode from the Who Said It podcast done. If you enjoyed it, I would really appreciate your support in the form of you sharing this podcast with anyone who you think would find value from it. And if you want to take it a step further, giving it a share on your Instagram would be amazing as well. I hope you enjoyed it and I hope you look forward to the content that is to come. Take care of yourselves. Thanks for listening again. Peace.